Okay, so let's let's dive in Misiata de Shmaya to part A of a two-part mini-series that's part of this series where we're delving very deeply into the inner dimension of Shabbos. This will be part one, and the next week, Bezos Hashem, will have part two. And the reason why I chose Misiata de Shmaya to do it this way is because we have to be preparing for Purim. We absolutely have to prepare for Purim. A little bit on the Lecha radar, I don't want to say too much definitively because it might, it might not actually happen, um, but we're trying to put together a cross-community um, event, bringing all the Rabbanim together so that we can share short ideas to help us prepare for Purim as a community, machshava-wise, because of course it's important to learn the Halacha and to be involved in the Hilchas Purim, Shleshem Yom Koydim, like by any Chag, but it's also important to be learning about the inner dimension of Purim so that we can prepare our Neshamas for it very deeply. So I hope, I hope that that's going to happen. And we'll, uh, we'll keep you posted on that. So we're going to be learning, of course, about Shabbos, but also we're going to be learning about the connection between Shabbos and Amalek, more than just Shabbos and Amalek, the way in which Shabbos combats the energy of Amalek and the strategy of Amalek, and the Ezra Hashem, we're also going to be seeing all of this in the context of, in the context of preparing for our very deep dive into Kabbalah Shabbos as Kabbalah Shabbos itself, going into the Mizmarim, taking a look at different Ramazim that we can find within the Psukim that are all hinting to these grand ideas that we're going to be learning tonight and the Ezra Hashem next week in the second part of this, uh, this little mini-series. So... Let's take a look at the first source together. This particular sugya is one of the most fundamental sugyas in Panimiya Satira, in Hasidus, in Kabbalah. It's the foundation of all foundations. Mamish, the most important thing to know. And it's therefore the thing that most you didn't know least. And so that's why I put just number A. And you shouldn't feel bad if you don't know the distinction. If you did, that's wonderful. But a lot of times we hear these terms bandied about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and then sometimes in Hazal we find the terminology, the Shekhinah. What's the difference between these two terms? What is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Kudsh in Aramaic? And how does that relate to the Shekhinah? How are they alike? How are they different? We use them both to refer to Hashem. So then why are there two terms? And all similar questions. To help us understand, what are these things? What is this distinction between Kudsh and Shekhinah? Where did these terminologies come up? Most usually we find them in the context of this short composition that many, many Yidin, almost all of Am Yisrael have accepted upon themselves to at some point, before some mitzvah, if it's every day regularly, before talus and tefillin, before tefillah v'chlal, or other mitzvahs that we may do, there's a composition that we find already from the Shlach Kaddish all the way through the Dairis, throughout the generations, the Chidah made a big push for this, of course, the Malshema Kaddish, and all of those that were connected to the inner dimension of Torah found it very, very important and crucial so that when we are getting ready to do a mitzvah, we say this short composition. If you take a look at source number one, thank you so much for coming. L'shem Yichud, for the sake of unification, of Kudsha Berichu Ushchinte, of this aspect called Kudsha Baruchu, Hakadosh Baruchu, just Aramaic for Hakadosh Baruchu, the Holy One, Blessed Be He, Ushchinte, and His Shechina. Also Aramaic for the word Shechina, but it's possessive. It's His Shechina. We say for the sake of the unification of these two things, 
which of course becomes very complex. What are these two things? There's only Echad Yochad and there's only one Hashem. And that's why these ideas have made many tzaddikim and gedolim throughout the generations very uncomfortable. Because anything that seems to suggest that there's a duality shalom, of any kind is, uh, is, is obviously something that we run away from. Right? And, and it's something that we fundamentally oppose. We believe that there's Echad Yochad and We believe that there's only one HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So we're going to have to get into what this is. What does this mean? Kud Shavrichu and His Shechina. And why do these two things need to be united? What is that unification and how does our doing mitzvahs affect this unification so that we say before doing a mitzvah that our intention is l'shem for the purpose of yichur kuchabrichu, the unification of these two things. Okay, but the chilu rechimu, we say we should do this with great awe, is dechilu, means great shuddering, urechimu, and great love. And then we get a little bit of another hint, and we're going to develop this slowly, as is Hashem, leyached, to unify shame yudke, the letters Yud and He of Hashem's four-letter name, the Shem Havaya, Yudke, Bin Vavke. To unify Yudke, those two letters, Yud and He, with Vav and He, Yehuda Shlim, with an absolute, com- a complete bond, B'Shem Kol Yisrael, in the name of all of Israel, in the name of all of Am Yisrael, for the sake of all of Am Yisrael. What is this? What does this mean? What is Yudke and what is Vavke? What's the earliest source where we have any hint as to there being significance to the different parts of Hashem's name? This is itself a Chiddush. You look at Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke, as it appears in the whole Chumish, it's one unified name. Of course, it has four letters because that's how we spell things out if we are to see a word. But where do we find this, that there's some kind of distinction between different parts of Hashem's name. And where do we find this idea that one part of Hashem's name needs to be unified with the other part of Hashem's name in order to make it complete? What do these things mean? Let's take a look at the second source, a very famous source, where the Pasuk says, at the end of the Shalach, Vayoymer, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Ki yod al keska, there is a hand on the throne of God, al keska, There is an eternal war against the force of Amalek from generation to generation. So obviously just looking at this Pasuk, it's a very strange Pasuk. A lot of things that are strange about this Pasuk. First of all, what does it actually mean? On a simple level, what is this hand that's on the throne of God? It's a, it's, a, it's a strange thing. Hashem has no hand. What might it mean that His hand, whatever metaphor that is, is on the throne for what purpose? And of course, more than that, what is this word case? What does it mean? It's a strange thing. Chaf Sam doesn't show up anywhere else in Tanakh. What is this word case? So Rashi, bringing from Chazal, picks up on all of these different interesting anomalies that we find within this Pasuk. And of course, Rashi tells us, when does a person put his hand on something? For what purpose? To make a shvua. Simna yalchatachas yurechi, Abram and Eliezer, Nikitas chefetz, you take a holy object, you, you put your hand on something to make a shvua, to commit yourself to something. Says Rashi, what does it mean, the metaphor, of course, Hashem doesn't have a hand? If he's putting his hand on his kisei, it's because Hashem is swearing. That there is this eternal battle with the force of Amalek. And what is that force of Amalek? And why must we battle it? 
And of course, this encapsulates the essence of what it is to be a Jew, because Amalek is our arch enemy. Am Yisrael is called Reishis, and so are Amalek. Reishis Goyim Amalek. Am Yisrael are eternal. Reishis Goyim Amalek is Rosh Hashanah's Rega, right? Amalek is all rooted in the moment. This is the counteraction of what Am Yisrael is. And so, according to the Rambam's negative theology, that you can never know a thing as the thing, but you have to look at what its opposite is, and then you're able to sort of figure out what, what its mirror image is. If we can understand what Amalek's all about, then we can know what its opposite is, and it can shed brilliant light on what our task is in the world, which is a pretty important thing to know, as individuals, as families, as communities, as a nation. Throughout our history, if we are to discharge our obligation faithfully, and succeed in this mission for which HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent us to the world. So it's a pretty important thing to find out why is it that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so intent on battling with Amalek in every generation. Luckily enough, the Pasuk tells us, and why does the Pasuk say this word case, which is an incomplete word because it means a chair, but that's not how we say chair in Tanakh. How do we say chair? And so it's only, it's only part of a word. It's three quarters of a word. Or it's, I'm sorry, two thirds of a word. Why is the Aleph missing? And then Rashi also points out, even though this is a little bit less of a plea, it's a little bit less strange because a lot of times you find the name Ka. Right? Rashi over there doesn't say that it's half a name. So you do find that. But Rashi says that in the context of a Pasuk that has half words, that shows us that even these two letters, Yudke, are really part of a four-letter name, and they are truncated. What's that all about? It should really be Yudke Vavke. Why is Hashem's name in the context of this Pasuk split in half? Says Rashi, well, that's the content of Hashem's promise. Nishva Hashem swears. She'ein shmoi shalem, that his name is incomplete. Ve'ein kisoi shalem, and his chair is incomplete. We're going to speak about that. And the force of Amalek, and the inner voice of Amalek, and the spirit of Amalek that echoes within every Jewish heart and that fills the various cultures of the nations through which Am Yisrael traveled throughout our history, that spirit of Amalek, all the while that that's in the world, Hashem's name is incomplete and his chair is incomplete. But when Amalek is completely taken care of, and meaning to say that Am Yisrael are doing what we were brought to the world to do fully, then Hashem's name will be complete and his chair will be complete. We see from here that even on the level of Chazal, long before the Mekubalim and the Kabbalists and anything else, which isn't long before, but we see the Chazal in Nikle, the Chazal that all of us learn and study, they understood that HaKadosh Baruch was Echad Yachad Yuchad, that Hashem is Shalim B'chal Neishleimus, they, they, they knew that. They understood that Hashem was complete and that there is no incompletion within Him. But we do find that in some way, there seems to be an incompletion on the level of Hashem's name, meaning on the level of Hashem's manifestation within creation. There's a disconnect. Something is incomplete, but it doesn't mean Hashem is incomplete or that Hashem has some kind of experience within himself, Hashem, a disunity that he needs us to come ahead and, and, and complete that. Like we've spoken about in many shir and previous, the name Yud Kevav Ke refers these four le levels to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's disclosure from the place of his essence, which is absolutely unified, step by step by step by step, coming down through the worlds, becoming a little bit more 
more gash, more possible to be perceived and felt and experienced until finally the last hey of Yud is our physical world. So this whole Indian of Hashem's name is a Kodesh Baruch Hu's manifestation. But Hashem in and of Himself is absolutely unified and one. But He wanted something from this world. He needed something from this world. Now, Hashem doesn't need anything, but in accordance with His will, which is unfathomable, like we mentioned in the previous year, it's called Keser. We, we have no understanding of what Hashem gets out of all of this, but He seems, in accordance with what He desired, to be getting something out of this. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here, right? It's not purposeless, it's purposeful, but on a level that we can't grasp because it's, in, it's, it's unreconcilable with what we know about Hashem being perfect, right? But Hashem also doesn't do things for no reason, etc. Right? So this is a bit of a paradox. But I'll call upon him, we can say that after Hashem decided to create the world, He wants that that world should reveal Him, and here's the key word, completely. There's a shameless in Hashem's disclosure. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not able to be disclosed, to be revealed, in the utmost, in the greatest way, which is the ultimate purpose of the whole creation, like we've learned in previous year, about all the Nevi'im saying that when Mashiach comes, what's going to be? The whole world will be saturated with the knowledge of God like the water covers the ocean bed. That is the ultimate goal. So then all the while that that's not happening, Hashem's name, which means His disclosure, is, is incomplete. And Hashem's chair, which means to say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's ability to settle down into this world like a person settles into a recliner, fully settling in, it's a metaphor, is incomplete. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not incomplete, Chas V'Shalom. Hashem is complete. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to disclose Himself completely to this world. As we're going to see a little bit later, HaKadosh Baruch Hu desired to dwell within the lower realms. All the while that Amalek is in the world, all there is from the name is Yudke. And Vavke is not, is not there. So to understand this a little bit more deeply, let's take a look at the third source on the Megala Amukas. If you have a chance to look at the whole context of this piece, it is mind-blowing. It wasn't specifically relevant for this year, just needed this line. Take a look if you can. It's on Safari. Megala Amukas, you look up. Oifen 205. Rish, hey. So he says over here, He speaks about two lights. It's very, very deep. The light of Asay and Lois Asay, the light of Chesed and Gur. It's very, very deep. But he says, these two lights are the spiritual source for what we refer to as heaven and earth. Which doesn't only mean the physical, like sky, the firmament, and the soil and the earth, but it refers to the more spiritual realm that's captured even physically in the sky, right, which can't be grasped in the clouds you just fly through. It's, it's, it's not as physical as the things that we can feel and touch and perceive on the earth. And then the earth, of course, is just a keynote, it's a metaphor for physicality. So the heavens and the earth, right? Everything heaven is, is more, we, we call it spiritual, right? Spirit is like ruach, it's like air, it's wind, it's, it floats, it's, 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 it's weightless. That's the heavens above and the earth below. So he says, the Megala Mukas says, that these two lights that he had been talking about are the source for the spiritual elements within creation and then the physical elements within creation. And they are also reflected in the two parts of this name, Yud, K, Vav, K, which having four letters is divided by two. Yud, K, that's one. Vav, K is the second half. 
how, how does this correlate with heaven and earth? It says it's a pasuk. Beside Yismichu Ashamayim, which of course we say Friday night in Kabbalah Shabbos, which is our subject. Yismichu Ashamayim, let the heavens rejoice. Visagel Haaretz, and let the earth celebrate, exult. Let the earth celebrate. See, so it says, take a look at the Rosh Hashanah. Yismichu Ashamayim is Rosh Hashanah's Yud. Hey. That, he says, is a reference to the heavens. That's the more spiritual realms within Hashem's creation. So there's Hashem, and then there's a Kodesh Baruch Hu choosing, so to speak, to disclose himself through a series of steps. And that series of steps is a fourfold process, and that's called Yud, He, Vav, and He. In the words of the Mikubalim, as they relate to the spiritual worlds, it's called Atsilus, Beria, Yitzira, Asiya. We've spoken about this in previous year. And this system is split into two. There's yud the more spiritual realms. And then vav v'sagel ha'aretz. That relates to the physical realms below. yud Vav-keh is ba'aretz. That relates to the earth below. Now, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name is not shalim all the while that Amalek is in the world, what does that mean? That means, because the Pasuk says that all there is is Yad al Ka, is yud So what does that mean? Hashem's name is not complete. Based on everything we're saying, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to disclose Himself completely, that means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to be revealed in the lower realms. And all the while that Amalek's there, like Hazal say, Aideya, Ribaynoi, Umechavin, Limraibai, Amalek is not like the other nations of the world. Amalek believes there's a Hashem. Amalek very, very much wants to convince us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu can stay all the way up there, but the earth is vacant, is void of godliness. That's what Amalek says. So Amalek says, Yudke we could have, but there's no progression where human beings can become little bate mikdash, little vessels for the divine. Amalek is not having that. Amalek does not want that a Kurdishvar whose presence should be sensed and perceived and unearthed and revealed and disclosed within the physical realms below. So there's no vav all the while that Amalek is in the world, there's just yud And a Kodesh Baruch Hu says, Ein Hashem Shali. And a Kodesh Baruch Hu is not able to be revealed completely within his creation. There's only Yismuch HaShemayim, but there's no Vesagel Aretz. With this introduction, let's take a look at source number four. The introduction to Sefer Yichar HaShavas from Avram Tzvi Kluger, whose Torah we've learned in the past, and Be'ez Rasha next week's year is going to be basically all from his Torah. And he says, V'hine, Kasher mechanim ez zivgiluya b'shem kutshabrichu. When we refer to the aspect of Hashem's revelation within this thing called creation, including all the spiritual realms below and the physical realms, uh, I'm sorry, the spiritual, the spiritual realms above and the physical realms below, when we refer to that aspect of Hashem's revelation, that's called Kutshaburichu. That's called the Aramaic of HaKadosh Baruch That's what we're referring to when we say the Holy One, blessed be He. HaKavana, our intention is when we say this kinui, this terminology, Shagilui Zen, that this revelation of God that we're referring to which is also called in the Zara Kaddish, Hasoyivev Kol Almin, which surrounds all the worlds. Surrounds, not imminent. We'd call in English transcendent. Above, beyond, removed from our understanding. Nifrash v'nivdol me'metzias o'lamni, asher baru, u'manhiga v'koyichi is 
distinct and separate and removed from the world that it, that he created. And that's why we refer to this by the words HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What does Kadosh mean? What do Chazal say on Kadoshim to you? Say Chazal, Prushim to you. Removed. Kadosh is something that's nivdal. Hektish is something that's just not mundane, meaning it has to stay in the base of Mikdash. It's not for everybody to eat. Hektish. Kedushim, right? When a person marries a wife. Hariyat Mikudashasi. What does that mean? You're removed from everyone else. Asr al-Kuli Amakakdish. Just for me. Hektish is nivdal, removed. So he says that's what we mean when we say Hakadosh Baruch Hu. We're referring to the aspect of the spirituality from a Kadosh Baruch Hu that's in. That's in the upper realms. That surrounds all the worlds. That's transcendent. That's in the spiritual realms beyond. And he says that's what the word Kadosh means. It means separated from. It doesn't change. It doesn't develop past what it essentially is. It just exists as is. Beyond. Ahu Yizbarach, but Akadosh Baruch Hu, and we, we, we mentioned this, but the Tanchuma says, thank you for coming. This Avalad Akadosh Baruch Hu, is there, is there another chair? There's a chair up here. This Avalad Akadosh Baruch Hu, Akadosh Baruch Hu wanted dear, but Tachdainim Kameshi Yishbeliyainim, like we mentioned. Akadosh Baruch Hu's primary consciousness, so to speak, and his intent and his desire was that we should reveal him in this world through Torah and mitzvot, through perception. That the Jew should, in this world of concealment, in this world that can be seen as being completely physical, completely concealing of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence, Hashem wanted to dwell here. Hashem wanted to be here. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is already here. But like we said last time, He wanted us to recognize that, draw it out, and testify to that. Hashem says, you are my witnesses. This is what the Jewish nation is. We are witnesses that there's more to life than what meets the eye. That, that's the whole sum total of what we're here to do. And in so doing, we become an Arla Goyim. We become a light to the nations. We don't let humanity take its eye off the ball of how we are so incredibly, uniquely singled out among all of the creations of the world to manifest the utopia. We can do that in a way of chesed, gvura, and mishpah. In a way of balance. In a way of intellect and emotion. HaKadosh Baruch Hu desired that he should be here. In the lower realms. The Yatsar Efsharus. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world in such a way. That his presence in the world can go undetected. All of us know this. There can go days, weeks, months, maybe years in some of our experiences where we're totally blind to the fact that a Kodesh Baruch is here. That can happen. That's by design. Hashem made it that way. Hashem wants it that way. That's where the struggle is. That's Bechira. That's where we can choose. That's where Avoida kicks in. Va'az, and since that's the normal way that the human consciousness functions within a world to just believe that whatever's here is what is, and we remain blind to what's so painfully, obviously there, but the Yitzhahar is very strong, the Satan, that's called Samachmen, which is the Lashen or the Isis, Lissameh, he blinds the eyes. 
So that our job, which is counteracting Amalek, who decides to devote his life, so to speak, and it's not just a person or a nation, it's the force within that seeks to make sure that a Kurdish Baruch who either remains a concept at best or doesn't exist at worst, but let's say he remains a concept, but he's not more gosh, he's not felt, he's not lived with, he's not experienced. He's not tapped into and allowed to come to the surface and the fore of our lives and our thoughts and our words and our speech and our, and our actions, right? This is the way that we counteract Amalek. How do we counteract this? He says it should be in our hands, to reveal Hashem. This is the sum total of the purpose of what it means to be a Jew. We were sent here, this is why, without getting into the depth of it, I think we also mentioned a lot of this in previous year, and it's just seeing it from different angles. This is why our Avos HaKadoshim were all busy doing what? Digging wells. Because the panemius of that is, like the Svasemes points out, I gave Ashir also in the beginning of this month, Rosh Chodeshvat, I spoke about this a little bit from the Svasemes. The foundation of our nation is the ability to metaphorically unearth the living waters of spirituality that are deep, deep beyond the facade of physicality. That is what it means to be a Jew. That's what all the mitzvahs are about. That's what Liman Atar is about. That's what tefillah is about. It's many different ways of doing one essential thing. It's to live a life of connection with and a relationship with the hidden dimension, with the soul of the world, which is Echad Yachad Miuchad, which is one. It's true, he says, Hashem created the world that we see, this room with the ceiling and these physics and, and, and all the different laws of, of, of whatever aspect of reality we're perceiving at a given time. And it just occurred to me during Mincha today because I'm thinking all the time a lot about perception. I've been obsessed with perception for a long time. And it just occurred to me that no one human being has ever really seen anything. We've only ever seen one part of something. Vaharaya, I'm sitting here looking at this part of the seven-up battle, you're sitting here looking at the other part of it. The human eye doesn't have the ability to see the whole thing, ever. We only ever see one aspect of a thing. And the fullness of a thing has never been grasped through human vision, ever. That's a shocking thing, right? It's a pretty amazing thing. Now, there are video camera techniques, right, which go around, or you know, can set up cameras and whatever it is. Those are tricks. But in a natural sense, this world has never truly been seen completely. So, what do we know, you know? We think we're so sure about what, you know, what we can see. What we can see, we don't even see anyway. There's so much depth. There's so much depth to life. So Hashem created this world that's in front of our eyes. But often in a way, that if we know this secret, we're able to look beyond the facade and find the spiritual source for life that's refracted and reflected in creation. To find that spiritual vitality that brings everything into being every single moment, to become aware that Hashem is here, Hashem is here. In every moment of life, in every experience of life, in every drink, in every food, in every nap, in every interaction, in every conversation, in speech, in listening, in breathing, in being, to be conscious of the fact that there's more than what we see. 
He says, this is called the Shechina. Hainu, shehu yizbarach shoichin ba'olam, that Hashem rests, so to speak, within the world. That's what the word Shechina means. Hishkin Shechinasai. Shochin means to dwell. Shochin is dwelling v'loi galim. It's not revealed. It's up to us to reveal it. So now we have clarity on Kutsh Barichu. Is Yudke. That's the spiritual realms beyond this world, which can exist completely, divorced from any experience in this world of a lived experience of godliness. So Amalek is also connected in the, in the Svarmakashim to philosophy, right? A person could be a big philosopher, write a lot of books about godliness, but that doesn't necessarily suffuse the way that he or she lives his or her life. So that's Yudke, the Amalekian philosophers. He believes there's a God, you know. He came to some kind of rational conclusion that there is a conceptual first cause. Fine. But the question is, do I walk down the street enveloped by a spirit, feeling that I'm, I'm not alone existentially, that there's, some, there's something that I'm walking with that fills me, that surrounds me? Do I have a consciousness of a deeper reality every waking moment of my life? That's something else. That's called revealing the Shrim. And that's Vav K. And all the while that Amalek is in the world, the shame is not Shalem. What's the shame? HaKadosh Baruch Hu's disclosure. It, it has not come to fruition. And our job, of course, is to battle with Amalek. That's the Jewish enterprise. That's the Jewish mission. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that transcendent, removed level of godliness in some realm beyond, and then the fullness of Hashem's disclosure when we are able to unearth the Shechina, the way in which Hashem's name does not simply reveal itself from the letter Yud to the letter He and then stop, but it goes further from the letter He to the Vav, the long Vav, that's always a channel, channel the Vav HaChibur, and then finally flowing down through that channel to saturate our experience of reality. That's the shame shalai. That's the unity of God. Let's take a look at how Rav Nassim writes this in the Kutei Alachas. It's written in all the Sfarim. And again, we're speaking, this is not just the Stama Shir. This is the essence of Yiddishkeit. This is the essence of any Shir in Halacha, any Shir in Machshava, about any aspect of Yiddishkeit. This is it. This is the most important thing to know, essentially. And it's paradoxically the thing that Jews know least. I don't know why, but this is just how it is. This is very important for our kids to be learning in high school. It's very important. They, they should know, what, what, what is this? What's this all about? It's important for us to be learning. He says, It is the essence of the kavana that we have when we do mitzvahs. Is to unify the aspects of kutshabrihu that transcendent aspect of godliness that's connected to Shamayim Yismucha, Shamayim Yudhei, Ushchinte, and the latent godliness that lies in wait for us to come along and reveal Him. That's called a Yichud. We unify the potential revelation of godliness in life with that place where, where godliness is revealed. And in so doing, as we're going to learn at the end of this year, we channel megadoses of 
spirituality and, and life and bracha and atzlach and every kind of goodness down into the world at large and into our lives befrat. When we make that yichud, just like a yichud between husband and wife produces children as a Hashem. In the same way, this is how things are born into the world. When we can connect this world with its divine source, we make a yichud, bracha comes down to the world. And this is, of course, what it means. Before we do any mitzvah or before we daven or anything like that, we say this should be for the purpose of unifying the aspect of kuchabrichu and shchinte, to reveal the godliness that's latent in creation. This is exactly like we've spoken about above. He says the following is the understanding of what this unification is. He says this Tarakurish Baruch who went through this whole process of constricting himself and concealing himself with garment upon garment upon garment and different creative steps that bridge a very, very large gap between creator and creation. And each subsequent step hides Hashem a little bit more, gets a little bit more into the creation of further away from the clarity of the presence and the being of the Creator Himself. He says this process in which Hashem constricts Himself, so to speak, this is called Malchus, like we've mentioned in many Shiram past, Malchus being the final receptacle in the system of the ten creative processes, that all the different energies above flow down into Malchus, which is the final vessel. And it's called the Shechina, which is the latent godliness, meaning the spiritual counterpart of the world that we see with our own eyes, the physical world around us. Which is exactly what Amalek does. Somebody who denies the fact that Hashem is mashkiah, that Hashem is looking, that Hashem is here, that Hashem cares about what's going on in this world. And says that, listen, there's a God up there, but either he's spacing out or he just created the world at like a clockmaker theory, where it's just going on its own and he's busy doing other things. There's a separation between creator and creation, which means Amalek truncating the name of Hashem, cutting off the key says that it's just case, but it doesn't fully develop, that the name of Hashem doesn't fully reveal His presence down in the world. He says that's called hunirgan mafrid aluf. That's called someone who prevents Hashem's unity from coming to full expression. By saying Hashem's all the way up there, and then there's life, you know, there's life. There's mundane, practical, godless, soulless life. That's Amalek. But the essence of what it means to be a Jew, and we believe, sure there's a world, sure there's life as it reveals itself around us. Sure, Kodesh Baruch Hu is concealed and he hides himself, so to speak, within nature. But we understand that nature is suffused within his being. Hashem is the Mekoyim Ma'ishel Oilam. He's the space of the world, not just physically. He's like the space within which the world exists. Space is a very deep thing. But space has a shayrish. Theologically, Hashem is the space that enables anything to be. This is very deep. But in the Rebbe Shechaim, in Shar Gimel, I can to the depth of it now, he speaks about the concept of space as a mushal. This cup exists, right? 
It has water in it. It's plastic. We can say a lot of different things characteristically about this cup. But one fundamental thing that we must say about the cup, if we are to refer to it, is that it has space to exist. It has space. Three-dimensionally, right? There is space on this table for it to be here. If something else was here, it could not be there. It has space vertically, right, to exist. If there was no space for it, however you can figure that out, practically, you know, theoretically, if there was no space for it, we couldn't begin to talk about it because it is fully reliant on the fact that there's space that enables it to be. Says that Abishachayim, that's the muscle that we use when we refer to Hashem as Mekoy Moshal Olam. That just means He's the space of the world. The world is within the space of Hashem. Is the most fundamental premise for the existence of anything. Anything that is, exists because Hashem exists. And therefore, He consciously chooses to enable the world to spring forth into fruition, into existence, into manifestation. The Kodesh Baruch Hu cares a great deal about this world. The Kodesh Baruch Hu is present a great deal in this world. The whole world is saturated with His glory. But because of the way that Hashem engineered it, a person can go their whole life of 120 years and even pass this on to his children as a definitive shita that this world is completely natural and that there's, there's nothing divine about it. There's no divinity that can be sensed or felt or perceived. It's just this world as this world. That's how Hashem created it. But we believe that what? What's the whole essence of Judaism? Emunah. Ki Hashem hamalucha. There's not just this thing called Malchus, just the physical world, Elohim. There's a very connect, deep bond between every aspect of human life, every aspect of the unfolding of nature, every aspect of any facet of existence that we might stumble upon or experience. That a Kurdish Baruch Hu is vacant from. Hashem is present in every single fragment of existence. It's the unity of Hashem. Kila Hashem HaMalchus. It's bound up with Hashem. is the king. He's in control. And he's bringing the world to its ultimate tachlis, its goal. And Hashem is watching over this world. He says, this holy amuna. That is subliminally what we are doing when we do mitzvahs. What's a Jew saying when he puts on tefillin? Subliminally, the message that it sends to the world, if you should ever be privileged enough to put on tefillin at an airport, it's an amazing opportunity. People look, what do they see? They see some human being in 2023, in a very modern age, postmodern age, who because he believes that the Creator said something thousands of years ago, He's practically doing a physical act, taking up his time to bind boxes around his arm. And in so doing, he's saying, God cares. Again, with the subliminal message, God cares about this. The Creator said something and he cares. He cares so much that he wouldn't dare to not to do what he says because it matters to him. Because life matters to him. Creation matters to him. That's what every mitzvah is. What tefillah is, is the realization that things might happen, quote-unquote, on their own, but maybe in other people's lives. In my life, nothing happens without my asking for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to make it happen in my life. Tefillah means I live with Hashem. I open up to allow Hashem 
to manifest through this experience of praying to him and telling him that I rely on him and davening and telling Hashem, I need you for things. That's rectifying Amalek. That's manifesting the mission of Am Yisrael. It is the absolute foundation of the whole Torah. As the Pasuk and Tilim says, Kol All of the mitzvahs, the sum total of it, Emunah. It's all for this purpose of Yichud, Kud Shabrichu, To battle the Amalekian cynicism that says there's Hashem all the way up there, but this world is, is a mess. There's no, there's no Hashem that can be sensed or perceived or revealed in creation. Therefore, I mean, this is why we say before every mitzvah, because it helps us recenter our intention. What is our intention in davening? What do we intend to say? What do we intend to do? We intend to reveal Amuna in our lives, to become conscious of Hashem. To help HaKadosh Baruch Hu be revealed, the Shekhinah, the latent potential for awareness of the Creator within creation by engaging with His commandments. That's the essence of the Kavana of mitzvahs and of Tyre. Because the ultimate purpose as Rabnasan of all of our mitzvahs and all of our hazais is to fortify this faith, to fortify this way and mode of being and living, to live with an awareness that there's more to life than meets the eye and that heaven can be found reflected in earth. Which is an aspect of the unification between, like we've been learning, the kudshabrichu, that transcendent element, ushchinte and ashchina, to unify, and to bind, this world, a love is only to Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch is present here. We can reveal Him by shifting our perspective to see a nature that doesn't hide Hashem, but rather reveals Hashem in the deepest way. Let's take a look at the next source from the B'nai Yisachar. In Sefer Hagas HaAdam. Look at the third line. Second class word. V'ikr. V'ikr avadaseinu v'tfilaseinu u'mitzveseinu. And the essence, again, everybody's speaking about it with this word, ikr, it's the primary focus. It is the truest essence, the foundation of our avoida and our tefillah, umitzvaseinu, our mitzvahs, hu liyached hashem havayabaruchu im shem admi. Okay, this adds a layer. Bear with me. So far we've spoken about kuchavarichu and shchina. We've mentioned, Reb Nassim pointed out, that the Shechina is synonymous with Malchus, which is the spiritual counterpart for the physical world. This level of creation, which is after a whole chain of different steps that Hashem went, underwent to create the world, Malchus. This is the physical world, and the Shechina is the potential for Hashem's presence to be unearthed from within the creation. Those two things are connected. Malchus, the created world, and the Shechina, which is Hashem's energy that may be discovered from behind the facade of the created world by the conscious Jew who's living in alignment with this kind of lifestyle. And that's Malchus. Now, each of the spheros has associated with it one of Hashem's names. There are ten names, Shema, She'en, and Imchakim, that we're not allowed to erase. Why ten? Because each of them reflects another step, another stage, another facet of Hashem's revelation. Again, Hashem is one. Hashem is without a name. Hashem is just Yudke Vavke, even in and of itself. Hashem is beyond that, beyond that, beyond that. 
but Hashem reveals himself in these different ways so that we may come to an understanding of what his unity comprises of, as it were, in total unity at, at once. Some of these names we're familiar with, some of these names we may not be. Most of these names we're familiar with. Svakos, Kel, Elohim, Ka, Shakai, right? All of these names we're familiar with, but we don't really know what, what they are. Why was Shakai used in this context? And why is it another name used? Well, what are these names? We know maybe Apipshat, what they mean. Shakai is Misha, Amadai, What's the essence of it, though? And this year we tried to do just what's the, okay, what's the essence? What is the essence of it? So Malchus has a name. The name that's associated with Malchus is Aleph Dalid Nun Yud, which is the way that we pronounce Yud Kevavke, right? We don't say Yud Kevavke. We don't know how to say Yud Kevavke. Only the Kayin Gadol once a year said the Shema Mephorish. That's it. But we now use Aleph Dalid Nun Yud, Ado, and then Nun Yud, anytime we see in a sitter Yud Kevavke. Aleph Dalid Nun Yud is associated with Malchus. That's the shame of Malchus. Aleph Dalid Nun Yud. If you remember, in previous year, without getting into the whole depth of it now, everything, if you're holding with us, everything is connected. All the different shir that we've been learning, it's just different layers and different angles of one gilui. But we've spoken in previous year about speech. And we said there's two components to speech. You remember? There's the voice, and then there's the actual formation of words utilizing the hey mutsaos hapet, right? The five different areas of the mouth, the teeth and the lips and the palate and the throat and so on. Two components of speech. There's the voice itself and then the voice as it comes into what's called the klei hadibor and then words are uttered. Now, Shadosh Baruch Hu created this world with speech. Right? Asar ma'amaro shemahem nivro shemahem ba'aretz. Now, Hashem doesn't speak. Hashem doesn't have a mouth. So what does this mean? Essentially what it means, like we learned last time, is that the aspect of speech that takes place in the clay hadibor, in the mouth, is limit. Limit. Limitation. Remember? Because when a person utters voice alone, like we said, if you just say, ah, that measure of voice could be turned into any word in any language, depending on the different clay hadibar. I'm sure there's some AI thing that you could find where you just say, ah, and it turns that measure of voice into any language, right? Because voice itself is, is infinite. Speech is finite. When I say finite, I can no longer use that voice to say infinite. Certainly not. But anything else, just the word finite. That's the clay hadibar. But on the level of kol, it's, it's ostensibly infinite, right? Again, it's a metaphor, but it's encapsulative of, of, of infinite potential can be made into any word in any language. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in creating the world, spoke the world into being. What does this mean? It means that there was a process of infinity moving into a limited world of day and night and winters and summers and up and down in different directions and man and woman and so on and so forth, which is a world of limit. There's a process. There's a process of development from voice to speech. Malchus is related to speech. 
because Malchus, like we said, is the created world. It's the fully spoken articulation of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to say when he created the world, meaning that measure of limitation that becomes the world around us. Adni is connected to speech. Malchus is connected to speech. That's why before we start Shemana Esri, what do we say? Adon Adni Sefasai Tifrach. We use the name there, Aleph Dalad Nun Yud, in association with Sefasai Tiftach, let my mouth open. Let my mouth speak your praise. Why Aleph Dalad Nun Yud? Because Aleph Dalad Nun Yud is the name that's associated with Malchus, and Malchus is speech, it's utterance, it's limitation, it's the created world. This is also connected to the Shechina, the ability to pick up on the messages that Hashem is sending us through nature. It's not just a divine stutter. This is a meaningless world that we live in. No. And as much as we're connected to the Shechina, we're connected to the communication of Hashem, the way that Hashem means to tell us something in creating the world. Namely, Hi, Anoichi Hashem Alekecha, I'm here. That's what it means that He created the world with the Torah. Hashem means to tell us something. The level of voice is the level of Kutshabrihu. Why? What do we say about Kutshabrihu? That spiritual, infinite, uh, beyond the world of limitation, Yudke as opposed to Vavke. And that is related to the sphere, not of Malchus, Malchus is Adni, that's the Kli, but of Tiferes. Tiferes is usually what we refer to when we say Hakadosh Baruch is the sphere of Tiferes. If you remember, in the lower seven midos, there's Chesed to the right, Gvura to the left, Tiferes is the torso, then we have Netzach and Hod is the left leg, is the right leg and the left leg, Yesod is the channel, and then Malchus. And so that aspect of the torso, the Guf Ha'ilon, the, 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 you know, the, the essence of the body, that's related to that transcendent element. Don't get confused by this. If you're not with it, let it be. Okay, the main thing is Adni Malchus Shechina. The reason why I'm bringing up Tiferes is because Chesed, Gvura, and Tiferes respectively relate to Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Now, if speech is connected to Malchus, and that's the aspect of the created world, the Shechina, and so on, and Tiferes is connected to Kutshabrihu, then what would Tiferes be connected to in the speech process? Which, count, which, which part? It would be connected to the voice, right? Anybody with, still with me? The voice. There are two, two parts, right? So, so Malchus is the speech part. That's the part that's revealed, articulated, limited. That's just what it is. Then there's a voice part. The voice is infinite. The voice is connected to Tiferes. So Avram is, 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 uh, is Chesed. Yitzchak is Gvur Yaakov. Avinu is Tiferes. What does it say about Yaakov? Hakol, Kol Yaakov. Yaakov is connected to Kol. Kol, Kol Yaakov. Because Yaakov is on the level of Kol. And there's a lot more to be said about that. I'm just throwing terms at you. That's Yaakov Avinu. Malchus is David HaMelech. What's David HaMelech? It's all Tefillah. Tefillah, Tefillah. La'anikiyat is Dibur, Dibur, Dibur. That's David HaMelech. See the depth of our Torah? It's all connected. It's one system. It's all one system. So now, if the name of Malchus is Aleph Dalad Nun Yud, Avni Sefasai Tiftach, Tiferes, which is Kut is connected to Yud Ke Vavke. That's represented by Yud Ke Vavke. And its articulation is through Aleph Dalad Nun Yud, which is exactly why we do not pronounce Yud Ke Vavke. Not because we can't pronounce it. 
it stands for that which is unpronounceable, meaning it stands for voice alone. And the Svarim do say that the letters of Yudke Vavke, if we could pronounce it, aren't, it isn't a word, right? It's, I can't even pretend to say it, but it's just, it's just breath, essentially. Yudke Vavke. There's no, there's no, there's no, um, what's the word? There's no consonant, right? There's no, there's no word there. There's no, there's no letter there that has a sound. It's just air. It's just ruach because it's called. That's Yud Kevavke. So how do we pronounce Yud Kevavke? It's Alat Al Yud. Meaning, how does transcendent godliness come to expression through the created world, through Malchus? And that's why we pronounce Yud Kevavke with the letters Alat Al Yud, which relates to the unification between these two aspects. Alat Al Yud, reflecting Yud Kevavke. Okay, let's go back inside. Oh, very quickly. Wow, wow, wow. These shirim, they take longer than an hour, you know? Ay, 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 ay. Okay, okay, we're, we're, we're not going to have time to finish the rest of this. Um, I'm going to go a little bit further now, and then next week we'll pick up from seven, we'll do to the end, and then we'll try to do as much of the other source sheets as we can. Okay, I apologize because it was really supposed to be two parts, and you know, but it's, it's important because if we want to make sure that we get this right and, and clear. Okay, so let's, let's finish up what we have over here. So again, what's the ultimate purpose? Is to unify what he refers to as Yud Kevavke, which we know to be Kutchabrihu, which we know to be Tiferes, with Adni, which we know to be Malthus, which we know to be the Shechina. And this is also the aspect of the collective soul of the Jewish nation. Not just the godliness that's latent within the physical creation, but our collective soul is also called the Shechina. We reveal Hashem through nature. We reveal Hashem through our souls. Malchus Shemayim. He says not only this is the primary intention that we have when doing mitzvahs, this is the reason that Hashem created the world. Why? Because like we learned, Nis Baruch Hashem yearned and desired, Leah to have, Dira betachtoinim, to dwell in the lower realms. Shemalchusa berabu yisera, berabu yisera, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted that his kingship should proliferate until the lowest, darkest dregs of physicality. Hashem wanted that his, his, his godliness should be found there too, to demonstrate the extent of the power of infinity that is able even to manifest in, infinitude and in limit. Bakol mashallah, there's, there's no place, not in the infinite and not in the finite, where the infinite isn't. Like we alluded to earlier, through this yichud, through this unification, a tremendous amount of blessing is proliferated and brought down into the world, like we'll learn next week as well. But in the, in the Amalekian counter to this, the opposite happens. And every bracha is, is, is closed off, and the channel is closed. And that place of creativity and that place of godliness is not able to descend, is not able to manifest. And the world is full of darkness, and the world is full of ego, and the world is full of concealment, and the world is full of cruelty. That's what this means. There's no bracha. So it's not, it's not even like a spiritual thing. It's a very pragmatic thing. It's a very pragmatic thing. The less God, the more self. The more self, the more war with the other. This is how it goes. In, in, this, in this understanding. And here he says, this is why we say, before every mitzvah we do, for the unification of Kut And he says, 
which is reflected in the name Yudke Vavke, Ushchinte, and the Shechina, which is who? Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yod, like we've spent a lot of time talking about. And this is what we mean, literally, it's a Pele. What we mean when we say that all of our actions should be L'Shem Shemaim. What does that mean? It's such a nebulous term, for the sake of heaven. What does that mean? The sake of heaven. What is for the sake? What is heaven? What is for? What, what does this mean? For the sake of heaven. What does this mean? L'Shem Shemaim. So he says, Come Like the Megala Mukas says, Perish Abbas, what the Mishnah says, that all of your deeds should be for the sake of heaven. He says an amazing thing. shame, the word shame, is a reference in Kabbalah to the Mida of Malchus, to the Mida of Aleph Dalad Why? Because the Pasik says, Vayas David Shame. Ayas David Shem. Shem is connected to David HaMelech. David HaMelech, of course, is the persona of Malchus. That's why it's called David HaMelech. Like we said, he's connected to speech a lot. It's supposed to Yaakov Avinu is the aspect of Kol. Shem. Anytime you see Shem, it's a reference to Malchus. The Pasuk says that a Kodesh Baruch was Hishchin. I'm sorry, Lishakin Shmoi Shama, the Pasuk says. HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose the place of the Beis HaMikdash, Lishakin, Shechina, Shmoi Shama. Shame and the Shechina is one. Shechina, who on earth of a shame, Adni, and that's hinted to Aleph Dalanun Yud. But Adni, he gives another reason, who shame Lahavaya. It's the name that we use to refer to Yud Kevavke, which is a name, but it's not much of a name because you can't call anything by it. So that's not a name. Right, so what's the name version of Yudke Vavke? Aleph Dal That's another reason why Malchus is called Shame. Aside from the Kabbalistic connection of David and, and everything. Shakarin by Lavaya, it is the name we call Yudke Vavke. You can't say Yudke Vavke. The Shamayim And the word Shamayim always relates to Kutchabrichu, like we said. Yismhu Hashamayim is Rashitevis Yudhe. That's the spiritual realm beyond. That's the transcendent element of Kol, of voice, of Yaakov Avinu, of transcendence. As the Pasuk says, Va'ata, referring to Hashem, Tishma Hashemayim. And you shall hear Hashemayim, the heavens. Loi Amar Va'ata Tishma Bashamayim. It doesn't say, and you shall hear in the heavens. It seems to be referring to Hashem as the heavens. Va'ata Tishma, who? Hashemayim. Refer to Hashem as Shemayim. Who we refer to by this terminology, Shemayim, that refers to the transcendent, that refers to this aspect of godliness as godliness, so to speak. He says, I'm not going into why it's called Shemayim. I'll go into it very briefly. It's because Shemayim, Chazal say, is Esh and Mayim, is a conjugation of these two words, fire and water. Fire and water are respectively Gevura and Chesed. Fire is Gevura, Gevura. It goes up, it seeks to push everything back, withhold things, restraint. Water is chesed. It flows down to the lowest source. What's Tiferes? Yaakov Avinu is a blend between Avram and Yitzchak, chesed and Kvura. That's why Tiferes is called Shemayim, Eish and Mayim. So that's what he's hinting to over here. Kloli shel davar. So he says what comes out is that amazing thing. If the word shame is a reference to Malchus, Aleph Dal Nun Yud, and the word Shamayim is a reference to Kutshabrichu, the Tiferes, the Yud Kevavke. It emerges that when we say that all of our actions should be Lishem Shamayim, what we're essentially saying is that all of our actions should be for the purpose of unifying Vavke and Yudke, Malchus and Tiferes, David and Yaakov. The unity between the imminent and the transcendent, to reveal the transcendent 
within the imminence of our lived experience of reality down below in this world. That's v'yuchol masenu l'shem shamayim. Amazing, amazingly deep understanding of what this means. Api Kabbalah, unbelievable. Klali shaldavar l'shem shamayim hugam came. This is what it means. L'yachid shame im shamayim. To unify these two aspects, to unearth godliness within the lived experience of, of what it means to be a human. That it should be one. We're going to learn about that next week. He says what l'shem yichud kudshabrichu means in Aramaic. L'shem shemayim means b'lashen kodesh. It's the same thing. L'shem shemayim. Unfortunately, we have to end now. It's a little bit of a chaval. Can you bear five minutes longer? Mamash, I won't go more than five minutes. Can you bear that? Just for a shlemus of the Indian? Five minutes? First, take a look at this little chart because it puts it together. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Shechina, right? Over here we have in this chart all the different aspects that we've spoken about. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu is connected to Tiferes, it's connected to Shemaim, it's connected to the name Yud Kevavke, and Shechina is connected to Malchus, it's the created world, Aretz, physicality, and is expressed in the name Aleph Dalit Nun Yud. Source 7, we're not reading inside. Source 7 speaks about how you and I bring about this unification through our mitzvahs. And then, which we will read next time, we'll begin with Shabbos represents the shlemus of all of this. Shabbos represents a time, which is something we've been speaking about all this year, when the human being stops and recognizes this world is Hashem's. And that's why it's in the Ein Olam Haba. It's a taste of the world to come because what's the whole world to come about? It's all about, hopefully, a world in which there's a perfect unity between the transcendent and the imminent, where the presence of Hashem can be felt. But take a look at the, at the last page and we'll just do this piece just for a shlemus. The Pasuk and Tehillim we say every single morning and every afternoon, Poiseach es yodecha, you open your hand, and you, satur- and, and you satisfy the desire of all life. You fulfill their desires of all life. Listen to this very, very, very carefully, and with this will end, because this is a very deep kavana that each of us should be having whenever we say this pasuk. Because you know that you're supposed to focus on this pasuk, right? But very few people understand what the kavana should be. And again, it's fine to have the regular kavana to believe Hashem gives us everything. It's beautiful. That's not, that's not what they mean when they say it should be mechad. There's soide soides in this pasuk. Let's go through it very, very quickly based on what we said, but very carefully. Take a look at the tukun We say to HaKadosh Baruch you open your hand and you give desire to every living being. But the Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai taught, Al tikri yodecha, don't read the word yodecha, your hand, Ella yudecha, your yuds, your two letter yuds. Open your yuds. Al tikri yodecha, Ella yudecha. Which yuds? The inun yud yud, min, the shame. And you may have seen this name if you opened up the Sephardi Siddur. A lot of times it's printed on the top. What is it? It's the conjugation of Yudke Vavke and Aleph Dalad Nun Yud, which means the way that we, that we represent the unification between transcendence and immanence is Yud Aleph, He Dalad Nun, and so on and so forth, which is the, the interpolation of these two names. Take a look at the name. What does it start with? A Yud. That's the Yud of Yudke Vavke. What does it end with? A Yud. 
the Yud of Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud. What's the gematria of Yud, Ke, Vav, Ke and Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud together? 91. 91. 91 is a very big gematria. You might be familiar with 91 being Amen is 91. It's very deep. Sukkah is 91. Elon is 91. A lot of very important things are 91. 91 is one of the most formative gematrias because it is the gematria of the yichud of everything. 91 is a huge number. The Rashatevis of Peseach Es Yodecha are gematria. Pe is 80. Yud is 10. It's 90. Aleph is, is 1. Pei Alef Yud is Gematria 91. Yadecha, we said, is not Yadecha, it's Yudecha. Which means that we're telling HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we're begging Hashem, Paiseach Es Yadecha. Open up the Yuds, which means there's a world beyond that's connected to the name Yudke Vavke. There is a world below that's connected to the name Aleph Tal Nun Yud. We would like for there to be flowing of Shefa between the two. This is the panemius of what it means, Hashem, you give life to everything. What's the essence of that? How is Hashem's life manifest in this world? When we open up the channel between the two. Poiseach es Yudecha. Yud of Yud Kevavke, Yud of Aleph Dalid Nun Yud. And Rabbi Nachman teaches that all of this is capsulated in the letter Aleph. The letter Aleph is a Yud on the top, a Yud on the bottom, and a Vav for the six letters in between. The Yud of Yud Kevavke and the Yud of Aleph Dal Nun Yud, if you count between the bolded letters, one, two, three, is Aleph He Dalit, Vav Nun He is, of course, six. And that's the letter Vav of the in between of the Aleph. And so the, the letter Aleph in and of itself already contains all of these Saydas. The Yud of Shemayim, the Yud of Aretz, and when we say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Paiseach es Yadecha, Paiseach is the Oisius Patach, Patach is also a slanty, it's just a line, which is a Vav, which opens up and allows for a channeling of the divine energy coming from the world be, uh, uh, beyond into the lower realms below. That's the site of this Pasuk, Paiseach es Yadecha, Umazbiya lecholchai Rotzen. Why are we talking about Rotzen in this Pasuk? Because this and this alone is the essence of Hashem's keser, ratzon, nis'avaloi la'kadosh baruch hu li'aslai, dira betachtainu. All of this is an introduction, Be'ezus Hashem, for next week. And next week we're going to get into, Be'ezus Hashem, how this relates to Kabbalah Shabbos, to Purim, because of course we have to battle Amalek, Haman Amalek, of course, and we're having fun, and we're just getting started. We see after the Shemayim. So thank you all, thank you all, thank you all for joining. Ashrein, Ashrein, thank you. Da 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 da